and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 111, which begins with Ripley continuing to sing You Are My Lucky Star and ends with the alien falling out of its cubbyhole. And this is our last week, Mitch. Yes, John, we started together. We're going to end it together. Ending together. No guests this week. Well, sort of. We have a virtual guest coming up today. That'll be exciting. Yeah, and we'll just go ahead and reveal here that there are seven minutes left of the movie, or six and a half minutes, technically, but we're going to wrap it up in five minutes and keep it into a neat, tidy week here. So when we get to the credits, we're going to cover those, and it will probably prove to be an epic Friday episode to close out the show. But uh, right now we're talking about Minute 111. We're still in the action. Well, I I was just going to say that this is back to the old strategy of making us want to see as much of the alien as we can. And by then obscuring it through two or three different tricks, building that anticipation for it to finally emerge and for us to finally see it. And I'm fascinated at this point. I really do want to see what it's doing in there and what's going to happen when it gets out and all that stuff. So I love the slow push in on her that we see. Um, not a zoom, but the camera's actually moving toward her. And I think that 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 makes this really tense, you know? Yeah, it definitely does. And you're right, up to this point, you know, we still have only seen quick cuts of the alien outside of some, you know, longer shots of its head and so on. As far as seeing the entire alien body, we've, we've still only seen quick cuts. And it feels like time to really take in the alien. And I think they're doing that. They're, like you said, they're building up to that point. So Ripley is going to do something now to drive this alien out of its little hiding place and get us to see it. And uh, this, of course, raises a zillion questions, I guess. There's questions as to what it is she's doing, why she's doing it, you know, what's her plan exactly, I guess. And the fact that we're not in on it probably helps because it keeps me a little bit more uh, on edge. Yeah. Um, because I'm not sure how you would articulate this plan anyway. She's definitely kind of making it up as she goes along. So we see this control panel that she's using. And I want to start here by saying Eric Moore, uh, who is our model expert and who's been on the listeners page since day one, called in with an observation about this. And um, I just want to play that because nobody talks about models better than Eric. Um, when she sat at her chair there, uh, there's something there that uh, always makes me smile, um, but it also takes me out of the film. Ripley's sat there, she's operating some buttons to the left, and then she's operating some buttons to the right, and the space between the two banks of buttons, there's a shape there, and that's the thing that uh, um, takes me out of the film. I'm a model maker, and uh, anyone who's ever made a plastic model kit will recognize that shape. It's, it's what's called a sprue and uh, a sprue is a plastic tree that uh, all the kit parts come attached to and you cut the parts off and you make your model and you throw the sprue away. That is a sprue there, it's a model kit sprue. I'm I'm guessing Roger Christian or uh, another set designer thought the area was a bit bare, popped next door to the model shop where of course there were hundreds of boxes of, of kits there, nicked a bit of sprue and stuck it down. And the funny thing is uh, there are still some kit bits attached to the sprue and there's been speculation over the years as to just what model kit that uh, that bit of sprue come from. Um, last time I check it, checked it hadn't been identified. So I just want to say to Eric, thank you. Now I'll never unsee that either. Me either. I definitely never noticed it before, 
there it is, that familiar image from childhood. Exactly. (laughs) I am not a model maker any longer, but I certainly was as a child. And uh, yeah, there's that tree. What models did you make? What kind of models did... Uh, space shuttles mainly yeah that was my yeah my thing in the 80s pre challenger i think after challenger it kind of <laughs> went south unfortunately uh sr-71 i remember uh i was fascinated with the uh, sr-71 plane as well and then there's some star wars stuff of course here and there yeah i only did monster models really i had all the... no vehicles or anything no vehicles at interesting. all interesting i still have in boxes a couple of vehicle models that i never built like, I think I've got an old X-Wing in a box. and Really? Yeah. yeah. I remember doing a TIE Fighter and an X-Wing. Like, I think I ended up playing with the Star Wars ones and ruining them. Oh, yeah. Then, I guess I did do an Enterprise. I built an Enterprise model, yeah. and then we shot it up with a BB gun and turned it into the Constellation. Ooh, talking about shooting things. But yeah, I, to- I shot a few toys with BB <laughs> guns, too. That's, uh, we have that in common. So, yeah, more information yeah. than anybody needs. <laughs> anyway. but, so... With these buttons, there is this second question, which I've always wondered about and which John's going to give us an answer to. And and true to form, Eric was on this as well uh, and had a question about exactly what she does. Lastly, uh, the alien in his cubbyhole. Is that hot steam that uh, jets out at him? I've uh, always been puzzled by this. Ash always maintains that he's the perfect organism and they can't kill him. Um, and he seems to be squealing uh, and a bit uncomfortable for such a creature, especially as soon we're going to see him surviving in the vacuum of space. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you guys have an opinion of just what that might be. I'm thinking it is just hot steam, and he, he's never encountered it before, and he's, he's jumped, basically. Bit of a scaredy-cat alien. Okay, so I had the same assumption, basically. Especially given that this movie echoes itself so often, we get repeated uh, actions, sometimes repeated themes or motifs, but sometimes just bits of action or images. And in this case, I just always assumed that we had kind of established this venting of hot steam way back when Parker was doing it on the Nostromo. And I guess it wasn't that hot. Nobody was backing off of it. But still, it gave me the idea that that's probably what this was. It retreats from flame. And and then Ash... The most trustworthy source for information uh, tells us that it's probably heat that's going to bother. Well, that's not the case here. And they actually went through great pains to create an accurate sequence of venting gases here. And you have to look very closely. And I never had done this before because, like I said, I made this assumption. The same assumption Eric made. But looking closely and uh, perhaps you have to look closely at the Blu-ray of Alien because the DVD is a little muddier. Obviously, VHS isn't going to help you. Um, <laughs> at all <laughs> so for years i mean that's that goes without saying too for years if you watched it on vhs and you made this assumption why even challenge yourself to look at what she's button she's pushing well i looked and you can see to the right of the buttons like once she opens the door to the buttons you can see to the right there's a list of what gas is emitted by each button so she presses first a the first button which is iodine pentafluoride then she skips b and goes to c and releases methyl chloride and then D, nitrosyl chloride. Now, I had no idea what these things were. Um, and this will give me an opportunity, too. I wanted to give a shout out to the blog site Strange Shapes anyway, because they're a fantastic resource for um, not only critical information about the entire Alien franchise, but specific information and research that they've done, which I stole from them to tell you this. So the iodine pentafluoride is basically iodine is an oxidizing irritant. 
which can cause lesions with uh, direct contact to the skin. Now, under certain circumstances, of course, we've had iodine all put on us at the doctor and so on, so it's not always the case. But uh, high concentration of iodine can cause uh, tissue damage, basically. So when you feel it on your skin, it's going to start damaging the tissue right away. So that's the idea here. So apparently this is very troubling to the alien. Uh, the methyl chloride, brief exposures to that can cause effects to the nervous system. So you're hitting it with the surface of the tissue damage from the iodine, then you're hitting the nervous system with the methyl chloride. And the nitrosyl chloride, when inhaled, it can react to the moisture in the air. It causes uh, irritation of the respiratory tract. So she's hitting it with three different... Now, getting it on the surface, getting it on the nervous system, getting it in the respiratory tract, and apparently this works on the alien. Uh, speaking then to Ash's failure to come up with this kind of a solution, he's, obviously he didn't want to. It was right Maybe there all along. They had tanks of the stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, this is... It makes no sense to me, though. I just want to say that. I don't know why they would have the ability to vent poisonous gases in tanks that they're keeping. It's one thing if she went up and poked a hole in something and to vented the gas... But the fact that it exists with switches to actually b blast them seems really weird to me. I suppose oh, this is probably reaching, and I have no scientific basis for this theory. We've talked a lot about space rodents and so on, different sorts of uh, vermin that maybe were the reason why Jones was on the ship in the first place. Perhaps there are space vermin or space... What, what's, what am so I looking for? So like, it's a sterilization process. It's a sterilization process. All right. Now, so, maybe I'd buy that. Now, why you would... I mean, I guess you, you put on this this suit, the pressure suit, or a hazmat, which would work as a hazmat suit. You get in there, you push these buttons, and you sterilize the ship. Right. So perhaps that's the reason. I mean, I think all that... All right. I'll buy that. In, that. in that we all we need to do, since we don't really care, <laughs> all we need to do is find some sort of a answer. I think that's as good an answer as any. But what it does, what this does is, now that we've unearthed this, or strange the Strange Shapes blog site did, or whoever did in the first place, this is problematic for the rest of the franchise, right? Because don't we have, doesn't Ripley know its weakness now? Wouldn't laying down a suppressing cloud of this combination of gases be very helpful in fighting the alien? For the, yeah, if, for the space marines. If any, the aliens, of, if any so. of them work, that's the thing. They're like, working. They're, they might just be pissing it off. Well, that could be enough to get you... That's what I mean, a suppressing fire. You lay down the suppressing fire so you can... Uh, the assault will work that follows. That way you can just at least but it knock just, it down for a moment and then come at it. You know, I think it would make things a lot easier. With, but maybe it's just the force of the gas that's pissing it off. Like, maybe it's not doing anything except just, like, goosing it along. You know, you're just spraying somebody with air... And it's just making it mad enough and it realizes that it's been found out and it's got to take care of itself. And it would have just as soon stayed there and taken a nap, but it, now it can't. So now it's got to come out because she's really messing up its its uh, rest time. I mean, I got to think, though, if they put all the thought through, like getting these specific gases that do these specific things, that it must be doing these specific things to it. Well, you got to put something it's down irritating. and Pronolift isn't going to do it this time. Why not? Well, Pronolift worked last time. <laughs> Nobody noticed then either. Right. So why not? Give right. it a little Pronolift out of the cubby That's hole. probably what it is. Yeah. Um, no, to me, I think they're saying the thing is writhing around and acting extremely irritated. This yeah. is, we have not seen it this way. I think they're saying that these th things are happening. I think it's yeah. having respiratory issues. It's having skin irritation <laughs> and its nervous system's <laughs> getting a little wacky. Now, why? <laughs> perhaps there's not enough gas for something that size to really like actually kill it or whatever, uh, paralyze it to the fullest extent. 
But I do think that if you know this, yeah, going forward, you would at least give this information to the Space Marines. Yeah, they probably did. Years. They probably gave it to Gorman, and oh, he just Gorman. ignored it. Gorman, ah, that's chemistry crap. <laughs> well, that's a Science good point. It makes me feel sorry for the alien a little bit right now, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's tortured in this moment, but I think that this is a great change that happens uh, as far as our perception of the alien. Up to now, it's kind of always been in control, right? It's always been ahead of the game. And then whenever there's actually a physical encounter, it's completely in control, almost like just intimidating and almost even teasing in a certain way, the way it deals with Lambert. Mm -hmm. And now it's nice to kind of see it out of control. I mean, it's not out of control. It's just freaking out. And that's scarier. <laughs> like now we've we got a scary new version of the alien, which is pissed off alien. So that, I think this is a nice move towards a different form of horror. Not to mention the sound design of its shrieks. And every, that's just going to build with all the other sounds we're hearing and with the heavy breathing of Ripley and the heartbeat effect that we've had throughout the film that's now back again, building up to this big climax. So and I think it, it comes out so of well. that cubby pretty indelicately. There's nothing very graceful about the way it kind of slithers and falls and tumbles out of there, which, right. which I like. I think it's really augmented by the strobes and when you see the little bit of its back come up it still looks less than human which i really like it's somewhat reminiscent of its appearance it's the original appearance behind brett yeah in that it flops down you get that in the sound design you get a little thud and it flops down and then you're still like trying to figure out is that an arm or a leg or what are those or other the, things on the back and the vents in the back or yeah, whatever we yeah. said those were it's very similar and it's still just shrouded enough by all the the gas and everything that it, we're not quite sure but it's starting to take on a little bit more of a human look like the bipedal human look that we're going to talk more about probably in the next minute. Yeah. Oh, I want to mention something else that that I noticed as it's being revealed and this is the first time I've ever consciously recognized the fact that three shots of it are shot through the helmet mm-hmm. and they're point of view shots through the helmet and I don't know, because of all the light and flickers and smoke and all that other stuff that's happening, I never really saw that. And then it's only on the fourth shot. I think there's two, three shots through the helmet and then the fourth shot, which is that slow zoom in as the gas continues to fire up. And that's a real clear shot. And that moves us with that trick of the unresolved zoom in towards the creature. And that zoom is ultimately not resolved. We're, we're back on Ripley before it finishes its move. And then the next thing you know, it's coming out. But I just think, again, we're back to that shot through the helmet, which we haven't seen really since uh, back on the planet when mm-hmm. Kane was uh, inspecting the, the, the eggs. But it's a, it's a great distancing trick to make us want to see the alien even more. And so then we finally get it with that beautiful zoom. Yeah, and if, uh, if anyone's wondering how we could tell, you can see just little bits of reflected light around like the lower left side of the frame. There's just a little bit of fogginess around the edges of the frame. And a lot of that Again, going back to watching it, growing up watching it on VHS, it's probably it's going to be completely lost on VHS with the cropping, and God knows how many ways it's been cropped in different versions of DVDs and so on. Like we ended up figuring out that the director's cut Blu-ray is cropped funny when we couldn't see the Ash Pope. Poke Ripley. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways this wouldn't be visible to you, perhaps anytime you've ever seen Alien, depending on how you've watched it in your life. If you watch the Blu-ray theatrical cut version though it's very clearly there so it was probably very clearly there in the theater but it's not something that's going to jump out at you but to me it gives this automatic sense i mean i have a good amount of claustrophobia and i 
the idea of being in a space helmet behind a visor is just terrible. <laughs> I just hate that idea. And that's right there. And again, yeah. I feel a little claustrophobic. I actually, yeah, I, I get that little sense of panic. But you're right, Mitch. It gives that sense of anticipation with the distance from it that's created. Well, that's about all I've got for these minutes. Do you have anything else? I don't. I think it's... Uh, I want to thank Eric Moore for bringing in with those observations. And, and thank you for all of these amazing pictures that you've been posting. <laughs> Which... I think one of the best things about doing this podcast is getting to learn all sorts of new stuff from our guests and from people on that listeners page. And these model photographs and these these costume photographs and the and, and the shroud, for example, that never got used, all these things have just been fantastic. And thank you very much to yeah, Eric the, for doing that for us. Yeah, Eric, thanks. I, I wanted to mention specifically those super close shots of the narcissist. Did you know to see those, Mitch? Where, yeah, with the front with thrusters. The, well, with the front thrusters and all that information, but then right next to the cockpit window, because they were probably bashing World War II plane kits sometimes, they just put a little, like, pinup girl <laughs> sticker right next to it with some letter. Never visible in a million years in the film, but they were really having fun. It's, it, that, it's those kind of things that really indicate to me it's, it's great to how the models came off in the film. Of course, that's the point. But then I digging deeper here, it's just fun to kind of live the, 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 the joy of what it must have been to be in these models, building these models, how much fun that's got to be. You're working on a big science fiction film and you get to do all these tiny little details and, and do these things that people will never even notice. And I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. So those pictures, all those really close-up pictures of these models that Eric's been providing have been fantastic. Something I didn't expect. I assumed that all all the photographs that there were to be seen had been seen. And I think there's probably some people out there who are not aware of our show uh, that would die to see some of those pictures. Like, I think hopefully somehow some of these, those people will find out about them and come onto our page because I don't know how else they would see them. Yeah. All right, John, where do we find, uh, where does anybody want to find all this stuff, these pictures and um, other information that we've collected over the months? As far as seeing that stuff, you can come over to the Alien Minute listeners page on Facebook. You can also find us at alienminute.com. Follow us on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod or on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast. Um, and we'll give, you know, last week, shout out to our friends at the Star Wars Minute Podcast for coming up with this format. And check out the Movies by Minute uh, website for the list of all the now hundreds of <laughs> seemingly hundreds of minute <laughs> podcasts that are out there. Not quite yet, but maybe by the time you listen to this, that will be the case. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, that'll do it for minute number 111. We'll see you tomorrow for 112. <laughs>